lot of bullshit going on down here. Assistant breaking this double or bullshit, double <laughs> bullshit. No bullshit. Share, share, share. No bullshit news hour. What is the date? April 9th, 2021. No bullshit. Food for your brains, people. Food for your brains. Yeah, no, it's the no bullshit. The only news coming out of this town is the no bullshit news hour. And today, we're talking economics, mm. right? The global economy, the stimulus, the infrastructure package. We have with us Richard Wolf. I'm I'm pleased to have him on. I'm a you guys know I'm a, I'm a, just a wonk about money, budgets, the economy. Wealth distribution, the whole nine. Richard Wolf, the co-founder of Democracy at Work, a lifelong professor of economics, and a well-known critic of contemporary capitalism. Woo! As we all are. A lot, yeah. No, he's great. And dig this one. We all know what's going on on the border, but we don't know the economics of the border. What's driving that? Who's in charge of that down there? The cartels, the failed Mexican state. With us is the baddest man on, on the border, Reporter, prize winner, Pancho Ortiz. Really interesting. Really going to be awesome. Then we're going to talk about the economics of COVID here in Michigan and the bullshit excuses we keep getting out of Lansing. You keep changing what's going on. Are we closing down? Are we, doesn't it seem like we should close down? God, it feels like it. I'm, I'm not making that decision, but yeah. Or are we locked into case count? Uh, let's just all go outside. It's nice. You no, know, you know, not a high level of people are dying, and I sure. think the government's sure. all over the map on this and is getting their ass beat and is afraid to do it because there's no one to follow. You can't follow Cuomo. That's a good point. Yeah. You can't follow Dewine. You right? So where are we? We're stuck. Okay, and as always, comedian Detroit Red. Uh, you know, he's got a little. He's thinking about the media and economics and a little tease. What up, though? This is what Detroit ran. I'm just here to ask one question. Where in the fuck can I get real news at anymore? And listen to what I'm saying. It's so much real news out here and shit that's going on that we need to know about that I would think the real journalists would be reporting. That's what they used to be called. Reporters. Shit go on. They reported real news. Well, Karen... Good point. I mean, the things that I hear that should be uh, reported in topics, if it's not here, Charlie, I don't hear it. And that's very disappointing. And like I always say, it's disingenuous to the people of this of the city, of this community and of this state. I, I think something's happened that people are, are missing. Remember, reporters got locked down in COVID, too. So really think about what a reporter's doing now. They're zooming in, listen to a press conference, make a phone call, maybe a little Google, and just crap it out to you. Huh. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Isn't it? Charlie, here's what? another factor. I mean, because I hear, I mean, there is a level of fear and apprehension 
that people have about uncovering things about certain people and certain topics because those people are uh, petty and vindictive. And so they have fear for not being able to either keep their jobs or be able to um, sustain in this in this in this area. What do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean by those people? That sounds like some loaded code word. What people? Well, care? I, I'm just saying, Charlie. People call all the time and say, "Well, you know, I I want to I want to talk about this, but you know, I've got to do business in this city, so I got to be careful." And I'm like, uh, "Careful of what? Careful of who? I mean, you know, just because you disagree or have something factual that goes against what somebody else is claiming, that shouldn't be a bad thing. That, that if you're dealing in fact. But that's not that's not what we're dealing with these that's days. That's it. It's the petty corruption. You know that. Like, I got to work in this town. That means you're going to get locked out of a contract. You're going to get locked out of the club, the cool kids club. There's no there's no big auto industry here anymore. How the hell people drive around a Mercedes? What do they do? There's only so many doctors, lawyers, contractors. Government. How y'all making that money? You know how it is. Mm -hmm. We got to, which is going to bring us nicely into Richard. Not yet, mannequin. It's going to bring us nicely into Richard about we're printing money out of Washington. Is this going to get us out of the malaise? Is this going to turn around the deep structural issues facing our children and ourselves? Is this going to do it? Just printing some money. So that's what he's going to come up. He's been talking forever. Now people are listening. But before we do that, let me get a little Maurice Davis. I love Maurice Davis, too. You know Maurice Davis. You know Newsmax wanted him to be a host? Really? Yeah. Wow. You know, the black guy that voted for Trump yeah, just to get him on the that. show, that's but the... I'm talking to Maurice. He's like, I ain't saying what you want me to say, man. You're not going to want me on that show. <laughs> Was that his resume? Black guy that voted for yes. Trump? Yeah. Nobody gets it, man. He's a man of the people. Exactly. So is Luke Nowacki. Listen, remember, if you're not among the ruling elite who can make your pals' pockets fat off the taxpayers' back, if you actually have to work for a living, you're going to have to provide for your own retirement and remember their pensions. Remember. And their quiet contracts to go away. Hush, hush. If you have questions on whether or not you're on the right track, Call financial specialist Luke Nowacki at 248-663-4748. Grow your assets, Karen. Grow your assets. Annuities, retirement accounts, college savings plans, stocks, bonds, cash. What do you do with it? Make that call now. Your politicians and your children are dependent on you. Luke and I were listening to some videos on YouTube of Richard Wolf. Oh, really? He came over my birthday. We were drinking some bourbon, and we'd pause it and talk for 20 minutes and then pause it some more. So here he is, Luke. I told you I was going to get him. Luke Nowacki, 248-663-4748. Give me that, Maurice, one more time. Don't forget our good friends at Hall Financial. If you feel good about your interest rates because it's near historic lows, right? If you haven't done it, you better call. Not quite sure what's oh you what you do. <laughs> I was trying to time it up for the end of that, but now you're on the hall. Look, things are up and down, right? If you've been thinking about it, make the call. Be smart, right? Because you could save money. That's the thing you want to do now. Look out for yourself. Hall Financial is fast, and they do all the heavy lifting for you. So go to DavidHallMortgage.com and get started. Call if you prefer 248-308-5000. Equal housing lender. NMLS number one four six seven four three five. Kind of late. Oh, nice. I just wanted to end it when you ended it. Oh, that was good, brother. Okay. Now, bring him in, mannequin. Bring in the professor. Professor Richard Wolf. Guy's been everywhere. 
Harvard, Yale, the new school, Massachusetts, Amherst, everywhere. Look him up. I, I'm, I'm telling you, you're going to enjoy the way the man speaks. Welcome in, Richard. It's good to see you, brother. Thank you. Glad to be here. Well, what the fuck happened to your office, man? I mean, <laughs> you used to have like teak and paneling and books and a plant. Yeah, it's going to get all that back. I'm moving, and as soon as I can unpack these boxes, you'll see it all again. <laughs> That's what they tell me about the economy, brother. <laughs> yes, exactly. Gonna... Uh, only I'm telling you what's actually going to happen. They're telling you what they want you to think is going to happen. Now, that's funny you say that because, you know, we might come from a little bit of a different political view. But we're, you're from Youngstown, Ohio. I'm from Detroit, Michigan. We know where we're from, where the muscles got put on our bones, that we are the spiritual and economic center of this country. What's happened to us is happening out there. Is this not correct? Absolutely. I mean, the, the, this, when Detroit goes from being the place that presidents of the United States used to bring foreign visitors because of the booming economy, because of the jobs, because of a strong union, the UAW, that had won good working conditions and good jobs for millions of workers, and that included African-Americans, not just white people, and on and on. When you think about what Detroit was in all the ways that it was, it was the center of a whole new music, the Motown sound changed music around the world, and that cultural richness was part of the economic mm -hmm. success. And now you look at a, at a Detroit that's got less than half the population it had back in 1970. You know, people vote with their feet when they have no way to stay where they were. They lost their homes. They lost their jobs. The homes burned down, every other one of them. Uh, the neighborhoods are the way they are when you travel around Detroit, uh, which I did a couple of years ago. It sort of blew my mind because I had read about it, but it's different if you see it. Um, yes, sir. Yes, and, and that exodus, that exodus of jobs and businesses um, has become the national phenomenon. Everybody's leaving to go to China or India or Brazil because they can pay workers much less there. And those companies that get the advantage of higher profits by paying lower wages are relieved of all responsibility for the damage they do. You decimate a community when you shut down your factory. You ought to have some responsibility, financial and otherwise, to deal with that. But we don't require that of corporations. They can go away, make a lot more profit, ship out the dividends to their shareholders. And the social damage that's done, well, they're not part of that. They don't have any responsibility. We put on other taxpayers the burden of helping those that have been savaged by private corporations profit-driven decisions. That's the way capitalism works. That's, that's the new, why I'm a that's critic. The, that's the new capitalism. That's the global capitalism. Now, let, let's do this. COVID, we're shut down. Oh, look, I can see myself. That was so <laughs> weird. Okay, listen, here's the pitch now, right? Okay, COVID shut down. We're going to inject a lot of fake money into the economy. We're going to invest in infrastructure, and we're going to have a boom like it was 1945. It... Do you expect a 1945 boom in America's coming back? Absolutely not. And let me tell you very simply why. The, the, there are many reasons, actually, but I'll give you the one big one to think about. In 1945, 
at the end of World War II, there was one fact about the American economy that is absolutely absent now. And that fact was that during the Great Depression, and this may surprise some of you, the inequality of income and wealth in the United States shrank dramatically. The most dramatic reversal of inequality in the history of the United States. Between 1929 and 1945, more than one-third of the gap between rich and poor was eliminated. We had the most equal distribution of wealth and income it, at 1945 at the end of the war than we had seen in the previous century. So when the spending started again, when you tried to rebuild the economy from the depression and the war, the money was distributed broadly to masses of people who all could make a rising economy. Now let's go to today. We are at the most unequal condition of the American economy in our history. We have completely eradicated the equalization, relative equalization uh, that came after 1930, after 1929. We are not an equal society. We are extremely unequal. And all of that funny money being printed by the Federal Reserve and pumped into the economy, first for the COVID relief and now for the infrastructure, that is going into an economy that is structurally unequal. To be real blunt, it's being handed over to the big corporations, either in a contract from the federal government or if the federal government gives it to state and local governments, they give the money in contracts to corporations. And those corporations have been doing what they will be doing, giving most of that money to shareholders as dividends, to fat pay packages to the folks at the top, to automating the few jobs that are left, to investing overseas and everything else they have done to make an unequal economy. So you're not going to get a massive boom because given most of this new funny money to the people who don't need to spend it because they're already the richest people. And how many more yachts can you afford if you already have three? And what are we, the regular people, going to do with our little itty-bitty check? I tell you, you forgot about this, folks. Yes. Unbelievable. Now, those of you living it, no, you got credit card debt. You deferred right. some mortgage payments. You deferred rent. They, they didn't give that to you for free. You owe it. That's right. And you owe it with interest and penalties. You, we know we have a number. We, we know that between five and $6,000 is the accumulated unpaid rent uh, of people. That's now, the average? It, it, yes, that's the average. Wait, let me, wait a going. minute. This is, this way, is, this let is. Let me give you a statistic okay. that will blow your mind. Okay. We have 43 million people, families that live by renting. That is, that's how they house themselves. 9 million out of the 43, that's more than 20%. Nine out of 43 of those are in arrears. They haven't paid their rent Whoa. for some months. The average of that, yep, five grand. Think about what help you're giving people if you give them a $1,400 check and they are backwards in debt already for, for multiple times that, and that rent is accruing because they're not able to pay it now either. So, I mean, this is... This is the joke. It's the standard American game to give away huge amounts to the rich, sprinkle a little at the bottom 
People will be so grateful for that $1,400 check, they won't ask the question, what is this doing, this whole package? And the answer is, it's making the so-called American dream drift further and further out of your reach. So, Richard, how do you fix it? Is it a, a basic income, like a Social Security for all? Is it just a flat tax on corporations? I mean, because you're going to hear people balk about a redistribution of wealth. How would you fix it? Well, First of all, I do none of those things because we've tried variations on all of them and they haven't worked. True. Look, you know, that's a definition of insanity. You keep trying the same mechanism to change a problem. If it doesn't work, it shows you're not sane if you keep doing the same thing. We have been doing those things, number one. Number two, we've just come off of a period of massive redistribution of wealth. I find it bizarre that when you want the redistribution to go the other way, people jump up. You can't have redistribution. <laughs> Hello. What do you think happened the last 40 years? Yes. The way we got to be so unequal is because the equality we had in 1945 was undone in the last 50, 60 years. Hold on we a second, moved wealth from the middle and the bottom to the top. You, All I'm proposing is that we think about how do we uh, adjust, accommodate, reverse. Wait a minute. Part. Wait a minute. You sound a little pink, little <laughs> maybe so. maybe a commie. I hope so. Okay. So I if, like pink. So yeah, if you're a commie, and red are my colors, and I'm not going to shy away from them. If but you're a commie, answer, wait, wait, the big the question, question here. Big question. Let, if let you're if you're a socialist. Maybe, you know, you like some things about it. Who is better, Vladimir Lenin or John Lennon? Uh, they had different <laughs> specialties and different competencies. Spoken like an I like one's music and I like the other one's ability to change systems. No further questions. No. Um, <laughs> let, me answer, let me answer the previous question. What would I do? I wouldn't futz around with the taxes and I wouldn't do all those other things. Not because those hadn't got some merit, but they obviously haven't been adequate to the problem. Otherwise, we wouldn't be having this conversation. So let me propose what I think would solve the problem. The basic reason we have the level of inequality that we do is because we allow a particular weird way of organizing the enterprises that produce the goods and services in this society. The factories, the offices, and the stores. Here's how we allow them to work. A tiny group of people at the top, the owner of the business, the board of directors, if it's a corporation. Board of directors usually have 10 to 20 people sitting on them. We allow them to have all the power. They decide what the enterprise produces, what technology it uses, where it conducts its business, and they decide what to do with the profits. The vast majority of people in every enterprise who depend on it for their jobs, their incomes, everything about their life are excluded from making those decisions. The, the organization of an enterprise is the opposite of the democracy we claim to be in favor of in this country. So here's my proposal. Let's democratize the enterprise. We should have done it. 200 years ago. We never did. We insist that our political leaders are subjected to our votes at least every so often. 
but we have no such power in the workplace. When we cross the threshold every day into the job, we throw away, we give up our democratic We life. used to have unions. Now we're, now we're a we right to work state, them. right? And by the way, that's the tragedy of today. Uh, the, the wholesale workers union lost its effort to organize Amazon in Alabama. Yes. And that yes. is a major issue that we ought to and talk And the same about. with the auto plants. The point. Okay. Suppose, Wait, show suppose is it? <laughs> you had a democratic workplace. Suppose everybody in the workplace, from the supervisor to the typist to the clerk to the person who sweeps up at night, all of them, one person, one vote, and together, by majority rule, they decide what the company produces, how it does so, what um, technology it uses, where it conducts it, and here comes a good one. They all together decide democratically what to do with the profits that all of them helped, in fact, to produce. Guess what wouldn't happen? You wouldn't give one guy billions and billions of dollars while the vast majority of the people didn't have enough money to send their kid to college. Wouldn't happen. You would, in one stroke, undo much of the inequality that we have in our society. Maybe, maybe. Because you would have changed the way uh, you distribute in an enterprise. Last point. You wouldn't have to fight over redistribution if you didn't distribute unfairly and unequally in the first place. Instead of tearing ourselves apart, redistributing, why don't we democratize the enterprise and distribute it more equally to start with? Carrie, we go ahead. a lot more. But wouldn't that undermine the very system that actually makes this company, I mean, makes this, this, this country up? Because there are more of the average, uh, if you will, for lack of a better term, uh, uh, employee or worker, and they and their decisions would outnumber those who make the larger decisions to their benefit. Absolutely. That's the point. You wouldn't if you look, we can't have it both ways. If we're going to let a tiny minority unaccountable to the majority, the so-called employer, a tiny percentage of our people have all the power over the mass of the majority, the employees, you can't be surprised that they take the profits that we all help to make and they give the lion's share of them to themselves. How surprising is that? Okay, well, if you don't want that to continue, you've got to change the way you organize the enterprises. For me... That's why I'm an advocate of things like worker co-ops and so on, because they can address more successfully than we have these fundamental questions of unequally distributed wealth and income, unequally distributed power, which goes with that. And, and we can get the kinds of changes that I believe Americans already in the majority one. I believe that. Now, Professor, here's the last question, but it's a big, unwieldy one, right? This is current events. We're, we've already, let me, let me add up these two rescue plans, the CARES Act and the American Rescue Plan. We're talking uh, $4.1 Now we're going to pump in another $2.3 for infrastructure. Somehow we're going to change the corporate rate, tax rate from 21 to 28, and do a global tax, world tax, at 21 Seems to me that's going to encourage offshoring if you got to pay a higher tax rate when you're sitting here. Having said that, why is our infrastructure shit? 
Will this fix it in the long term? And what should the priority be? Well, first of all, you're right. We're talking now in trillions of dollars, which is itself a, a remarkable kind of thing. And yes, the government is going to throw four or five trillion dollars at the economy. Will it fix our infrastructure? I don't think so. Will it solve some problems in the infrastructure? Yeah. Will it help some of the problems of COVID? Yeah, sure it will. But it will do so at the expense of reinforcing the inequality of this society. It will not solve that. It will make it worse. We already saw that the pandemic, when whether Trump was in power or Biden was in power, we were told, quote, we're all in this together, or, quote, this is a national emergency like being in a war. Yeah, it wasn't. In a war, we lessened inequality. But during this pandemic, we worsened inequality That's a fact. at the same at the same time that the richest 600 Americans who are billionaires got an increase in their combined wealth of nearly an additional trillion dollars. 60 million Americans, that's more than one third, had to go on unemployment for one week or even the whole year or sometime in between. You could not have a more grotesquely unequal way of being in the pandemic together than that. And these bills change none of that. Absolutely do not change the inequality. They're going to give all that money, as I mentioned before, to corporates, corporations in contracts. And those corporations will use that money the way they have used every other bit of money coming their way to do the things they have been doing for profit, moving business abroad, automating production and forgetting about the, the lives that people lose because they lose those stock jobs. buyback on and on and on. And so for me, the worsening of the inequality in this country is a more powerful negative than whatever positives may flow from these bills. Let me do this. I, Let I'm me listen to me, Richard. Listen to me. This is key now because I'm a guy, Midwest guy. You're a Midwest guy. Your parents came over. They saved the money. They got their kid through school. I'm trying to do that. I'm a good boy. Old right. basic stuff. What is all of this artificial money going to do to inflation? We've already seen it at over 4%. That doesn't even include food in the last year. Well, here's a good point. Here's the reality. In the old days, and old days I'm talking centuries ago, when emperors and kings and czars and all of that got themselves into trouble, they, they in those days had money that was made out of gold. You know, they printed the coins, gold coins, silver coins, and stuff like that. When they needed to, to, to save a dying empire or a dying economy, they did something which came to be called debasing the coinage. And what that meant was they printed something that looked like a gold coin, but a half of it was copper. And then two-thirds of it was copper. And then it was silver-plated copper, etc. They faked it. They put out their funny money because they couldn't get real gold to do what they had to do to keep their economy going. We're in that position now, only we don't use gold coins. We use paper money or electronic accounts in banks. So the Federal Reserve is printing and creating these accounts like there's no tomorrow. 
And that's the exact right phrase, because for them, they know, and I tell you this as a professional economist, they know that the system in this country is in very, very deep doo-doo. And it's in terrible shape, and they're desperate, and they dare not tax because the anger of the people would flow over. They dare not tax corporations and the rich because they depend on them for the donations that keep their political system going. So they can't tax. So they print the funny money. And you know how this ends up every time in history? It ends badly. And if you don't think an inflation could happen, you're being very strange because we already have an inflation. Much of the money over the last 10 years that has been pumped in, because it didn't just start now, this is a 10-year process because we never really got out of the so-called Great Recession back in 2008 and 9. The money printed since then did go somewhere and did go and produce an inflation. It didn't go into the real economy because Americans can't afford to buy anything anymore. They can't borrow the way they used to. It's too dangerous. Banks won't lend to them. And they know that they're in trouble and their income hasn't gone anywhere. So there was no point in corporations taking the money and producing more goods. So they took the money and put it to work in the one place where it could go up. And that's called the stock market. The stock market has had the inflation that people claim we don't have. Sure we do. We have it in that funny money game, the casino Mm. called the stock market, which has gone up and which, Lord help us, if that extra money decides that the stock market is no longer the place where things keep going up and up, And they turn around and they want to buy land and buildings and other real things. You're going to see an inflation that will be as stunning in its effects as the printing of money over the last 10 years has been. Okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to leave it at that. Here's what I'd like. I'd like people to just consider that. Go back and listen. Consider some argument some things you'd like to ask him would you come back richard like say a couple months absolutely with pleasure okay uh listen i I could i could listen to you all day i really could and um thank you thank you we have economists on this program like i said some are neoliberals so you know some are laissez-faire capitalists it's it's good to hear all of it but i do agree i'm i'm worried not for myself i'm worried about all of our kids and, Absolutely. and we should get smart. Okay, brother, thank you. God bless. Keep yourself clear of COVID. Okay, we'll talk and to I, you. I, I like all your guests here. I, I feel at home. <laughs> uh, I like your energy. So, yes, absolutely, it'll be a pleasure. Okay. Well, Richard, one last thing. This is kind of a side note, and I don't want to insult Charlie, but if any of your neighbors ever put any, place any Burberry items in that room, pick it up for me and hold it. <laughs> all right. Will do. Will do. Will Look do. at that. Even Karen got to do this. That's the thing about, you know, you get asked the professor, like, what do you do? You got to start scavenging shit. You got to wear your your underpants inside out. You got to shake the breadcrumbs into the meatloaf for the filler. There's all kinds of, both sides of the Charmin. Oh, God. Think about it. Oh, goodness. Get sharp. That was good one. I, I can use that. You can I have it. I'm sure well, I took it from credit. somebody. No, I took it from somebody, I'm sure. Okay. All right. Thanks, Thank Richard. you, folks. Very glad to meet you. That's great. He's deep, dude. Yeah. Deep. Yeah. 
got a lot of feedback and a lot of questions. So, I mean, I know you said a couple months. It probably would be great to bring him back even sooner. People were talking about, you know, universal basic income, um, you know, the impact of unions, you know, on the ability to be able to have a voice from the working class. So we, we had a lot of comments uh, that, that people wanted to weigh in. We should probably extract some and bring Richard back sooner. Okay, that's what I'm saying. You know, I mean... Folks, we're, we're still trying to develop this program. We'd like to get a phone line. We're, we're trying to funnel your comments into this screen. It's difficult because you have to use Zoom and Facebook. And, you know, you can't use them all. But we're working on it. There. You know, we're getting there. And, yes, it, I, I would really love to see what you think because, again, I, I, I'm a blue-collar guy. I grew up here. Remember where unionism in this country began. Here. Does it have a lot of problems? Yes. Did they take out of the bank? The piggy bank for themselves and not the future. They did. Was the organization corrupt at the top? <laughs> Absolutely. Right? There's no doubt. But this great thing about the middle class and sharing wealth, I fully believe it. Now you start to sound maybe like, I, I wanted you to hear him. He leaned socialist. Right? Mark Blythe Thistle ass. Yeah, I remember him. Yeah, the yeah, Scottish you, guy. The Scottish mm -hmm. guy. You know, neoliberalism means, you know... Um, Comparative advantage or uh, uh, NAFTA would work because it will float all boats. You know, that's you're sure. thinking from an ivory tower. And there's nothing ivory in this hole we're in down here. So it's just to be thinking. Now, he says he thinks structurally nothing will happen. Isn't Biden trying to get the corporate tax rate up to 28? They cut it to 21. Yep. And if you're offshoring, you're yeah. trying to get a new worldwide tax. If you're hiding it offshore, you pay 21. Interesting, except what if you stayed here? Your company's still parked in America, right? Paying your tax. It's going to go up to 28. And if you offshore it, it'll be 21. That's simple math. That's seven. I know a lot of guys on Wall Street, man. They drink in cool places, and I remember doing it. They're regular guys, farm boys, you name it. They go there, and they sit there over premium vodka doing simple stuff like this. 28 minus 21, seven. Let's start looking into getting offshore. Remember Trump didn't pay his taxes? It never bothered me, folks. You know why? Because Bezos doesn't pay his taxes and Boeing doesn't pay his taxes and tons of corporations don't. So when you are outraged about Trump, and you should be because it's unequal, you should be outraged at the whole thing. And I'm not a commie. I don't really think you know. You want me up in, in Boeing's boardroom going, I think we ought to sell ho-hos. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But but it's a discussion to have. And you know, yes. The one thing that I remember my professor that I that I've held all these years was that this system was structured to maintain itself. That statement embodies and supports and justifies or provides an excuse for so many things. It's like you'd have to totally break, redefine, restructure a whole new system. At, at the expense of so many and those who were in charge, it probably never would happen. Yeah, that's easier said than done. That's the thing. You can't just tear yeah. it down and start. I mean, nobody's going to nobody's going to help undermine their their own income, success or to control. It's not, not going to happen. And why are we angry at the government? Because the big boys buy the process. Why am I angry at the press? You show up to the press conference and don't dig into this shit. Mm hmm. Because Skyscraper, man, land deals like it didn't go through the process. Damn. Damn. Do what they're supposed to do, what they're paid to do, what they're hired to do, what they're elected to do, what they promise to do. And if they can't do those things, at the very least, they should do the right thing. 
majority of nursing homes, th th those are owned by like private concerns, yeah. right? They're, they're yeah. private making hedge funds. How come we're not talking about fixing them? Why? It's simple, folks. Okay. Now, look, we want to get to the economics of what's going on at the border. You know, it's a, I never seen it like this in 20 years. And y'all know my resume. I've actually crossed that border. I covered that border for years. I've never seen it like this. It is the highest in 20 years. I mean, I, that, that's it, a fact. Man, since, 20, since 2001, so yeah. And that was the peak. Mm -hmm. So here we are. What's driving it? So we're going to have Pancho Ortiz. What's up, brother? But before we do that, this segment of the economics of the border and a reporter, I call this guy a rep Look at this guy. Look at him. <laughs> Look at that. Hey, this guy, how tall are you, bro? About 6'4". And how much you weigh? About 330. Dude. So I first meet him down in McAllen, Texas, right? We, we got to make contact, you know, because this dude knows the cartels. This dude knows the federales. This dude knows border. This dude is the only guy working both sides. Seriously. So get introduced to him and he comes and he comes and knocks on the door. <laughs> this little shit. McAllen, Texas. Stinking carpet. Shitty motel. And I look at, I look at the blinds and it's, he's backlit. Right, so yeah. the sun—he's just he's, a giant he's shadow. A, he's a giant fucking <laughs> bear, and he's wearing leather, and it's a hundred and ten. And I'm looking at this dude like this is the baddest motherfucker on the frontera, bro. <laughs> and he's the sweetest dude, and he is for real. But before we get to him, and thanks for joining us, man. This uh, poncho is brought to you by American Coney Island. Look, my technology fucked up today, folks. I got to get on the phone. There's about. 80 pairs left. The special van shoes, right? The limited edition van products. The net proceeds go directly to American Coney Island. This was around the country. They selected a few businesses. Here's the criteria. Let me blow it up here. Uh, the business exemplifies the van's commitment to creative expression and off-the-wall spirit, creativity, authenticity, and passion. That the, the company, the concern, the small business has a positive impact on the surrounding community, is strength and clarity of vision for business itself. And they selected American Coney Island. So I was going to say, it sounds like you're describing American, American Coney, Coney Island. Island. At Lafayette and Michigan Avenue, remember, one of the 100 restaurants that Esquire says, we can't afford to lose, and you all know that. And it's yummy, yummy, yummy. It's delicious. <laughs> doesn't like it. And you can get those Coney kits. I pack them. Go to AmericanConeyIsland.com uh, to get these shoes. And by the way, there's only 80 out of 1,000 left. Yeah, we'll throw a picture up. They're blue, the two-tone blue. They got stars. They're pretty cool. Yeah, and you know what? Hopefully, like that Lafayette chili don't stick to them. <laughs> I'd rather walk through dog doo-doo. I'm just kidding. I like those guys. But uh, what's, what's the website here, bro? Vans.com slash foot the bill. Right? They're cool. Very cool over there, American Coney Island. We love them. We love their product. And by the way. Yeah. The board is fucked up. Oh, surprised. Fucked up, right? Ain't nobody know how to get it under control. You know who they should call? Who? ADR? ADR. Yeah, they'll fix it. They'll fix the shit. Listen, I mean, logistics, right? Uh, Border Patrol doesn't even, they don't have a weapon per agent, right? They don't? No. Oh, boy. You know, uh, I don't know. They, they, they should complete the walls around urban areas. That's, mm -hmm. I don't, you shouldn't build a 2,000 mile wall. <laughs> was dumb yeah. in the beginning, yeah. right? But it's stuff like that. There are consultants that work on all that. Think about like that. Like ADR. They just don't just pop up. The wall just doesn't pop up, or a, a government bureaucracy doesn't just pop up. You need consultants. People know what they're doing. Whether it's your home, 
It's your, your police force, it's Hamtramck, or it's, you know, a housing authority. All of this stuff, when you need to get things right, you got to get them right with City Hall, you got to get them right with the state, you got to get them right with the feds, even the police, whatever. You call ADR, they do all this. They do the work. You, you sit there and you think, how do I get it done? I tell you how you get it done. Call ADR. That's what. Let how do you get do it done? It. What'd you say? Call ADR. Call ADR because they Let are. Let them deal with it. Why? Because they are. Um, reliable. Honest. Honest. Um, ethical. Ethical, smart, and above all, <laughs> discreet. So call Barry Ellentuck for a free consultation. It's two for five. Two four eight three one eight nine four two four. Remember, two four eight three one eight nine four two four. Everybody on this program, I use their services. When I tell you, ADR, you go to ADR. When I tell you, consider, you, Karen's been telling you, you heard the professor, call Hall, think about your finances, get ready, hunker down, be the smart one, not the dumb one. When times are good, save. When times are bad, spend. Yeah, now you want to know why people hoarded bullets. Now you don't got none. They got, I, I wouldn't hoard. I have a few. I didn't go crazy. I'm not greedy. But get your shit together. Call Nowacki. Figure out what you're going to do. I'm telling you, it's a serious business, serious times. And in that vein, I want to welcome in Pancho Ortiz. What's up, brother? How you doing? Thanks for having me. Yeah, now this guy covers corruption on the board, the cartels, and it, everything. What's going on, Pancho? Like, describe what's happening. You're in McAllen today, I think, right? That's correct. Okay, what's going on? Well, basically, things are out of control. The, the word's gotten out that uh, the cartels know that Border Patrol is, uh, they're tied up, they're busy, they're, they're basically babysitting, uh, they're uh, at the processing centers just taking care of all these thousands of people that have come across uh, and they're not going back. So basically there's literally nobody guarding the border at this point. And the cartels know it, they, they, they know how to play this game, and but you know, the most important thing to remember is that nothing crosses that border without the drug cartels giving permission and making a profit. I'm not only talking about drugs, I'm talking about human smuggling, asylum seekers, uh, human trafficking, uh, food products, anything that crosses the border, the drug cartels make a profit and they give their permission. And that is where all this ties into it. I mean, right now, the in the Rio Grande Valley, you have the Gulf Cartel. They are the ones that are making a lot of money uh, simply by just getting people across thousands at a time. And there's nothing that the government uh, has been able to do to stop it. And it literally tied to control. I mean, from month to month, the stats are doubling. Uh, mm. Just looking at the case of uh, children, the unaccompanied minors, what they call. That's actually, they it jumped uh, from 9,000 last month to... Uh, uh, actually, 9,000 in February to 18,000 uh, just in March. And well, the numbers are still going up. And it's gotten to the point where the government, they're actually building more centers all over the state, just where to put these children, because there's so many, they can't do anything with them at, at any time. What, what, what caused this? Well, um, <clears throat> I mean, looking at it from a cold perspective, the change in administration. I mean, Biden came in saying, trying to be a pro-immigration, uh, pro-minority. It sent this message out there that he was going to be friendlier to migrants. And that's something that the drug cartels knew how to capitalize on it. They knew how to sell the message to the people in Central America. Hey, 
this guy will, he'll let you come in. You know, you guys are going to get papers. You guys are going to get amnesty. You guys are going to get whatever you want. And that is what he was, what they were able to sell to these people. Let me pause it's you there. Let me pause you there. So the cartels are, are like a business. They have a communication wing. They, they put out pamphlets. They, they have a network. It's, it's, it's a, a business they're selling, right? They are so sophisticated. It's not, not only a business. They're actually an alternate form of government in Mexico. They actually have what, what you would call your tax office. Uh, for example, say you want to hold a concert in Mexico in one of the cities, uh, like say Reynosa or Matamoros. You wouldn't go to the mayor's office to get your permit. You would go to them and they'll take care of everything. Whoa. I mean, you, you've been to Reynosa. You, you travel that area. You, you, you know what it's like. You know how much control they have. It's an alternate form of government that's more powerful than the Mexican government in some places. So why doesn't the Mexican government stop him? Is it because they can't or they don't want to because they get something out of it as well? Well, here's the key. If it wasn't for Mexico's government, there would be no cartels. I'm going back 30 years. These guys have been banking on the money that comes from cartels. I mean, uh, you know, from the lowest uh, city level official to the highest office. I mean, we have had former secretaries of defense, presidents that have been name dropping in, in ongoing investigations, governors that have been convicted for taking from working with the cartels. I mean, any level of Mexico's government that you can think of, they have all been tied to all this. So when, you know, when the U.S. says Mexico's our are, are partner and this and that, no, they're not really. Mexico's actually been taking advantage of, of everything the U.S. has been doing, you know, we had the Merida Initiative, sending all this money to Mexico to help them fight cartels, et cetera, et cetera. Guess what? It didn't do a damn thing about it. Uh, but politicians did get a lot richer. And, uh, again, uh, a theme here, a theme. Fucking throwing good money after bad. Then how did Trump able to get some control there? How did he get, he did get the Mexicans to play ball, the government, right? Well, so yes and no. So he okay, basically good. threatened uh, the Mexico's president, AMLO, he threatened with uh, tariffs. And that's where Mexico was like, uh oh, I don't like that. You know, uh, I'm going to tax your products, et cetera, et cetera, and all these tariffs. So Mexico sort of freaked out, but they focused on the caravans, and that was it. Because uh, during AMLO's administration, there haven't been any major drug lords that have been arrested. There hasn't been anything major done against drug cartels. Actually, AMLO has been singled out for being the president that actually order the release of El Chapo's son after uh, the military had captured him. I mean, that was uh, uh, about it's two a, years ago. It's a failed state. We're, we're dealing with a failed state. Yeah, uh, you're, you're right there. I mean, uh, sa sadly, Mexico has kept getting weaker. The militaries are out of control. Uh, I mean, the cartels are out of control. The government has no way of uh, answering to, to the growing power of the drug cartels. And right now, with the money that they're making from this... Uh, immigration crisis uh they're getting even more more money more power everything are they kidnapping uh, they're, again holding them for ransom oh Is they're still doing that actually that's kids? part of the story that doesn't really get told a lot of times all these migrants across through mexico when you know they leave central america for you know uh security reasons economic reasons whatever but when they get to mexico it's a terrible ordeal i mean people are going to get kidnapped extorted a lot of the women are going to be abused, uh, unspeakable stuff. And one of the trends that is spiking right now is the kidnapping of migrants. So, for example, say you have a migrant from Central America, they get to a city, so let's say Monterrey or Reynosa. 
they're going to kidnap that person and then they're going to call their relative. You know, they may be in Chicago, Detroit, New York, wherever. And they're going to be like, okay, we have them here. You got to send us $3,000 more or you, uh, you never see your relative again. So that's where, you know, whatever money that person had paid the human smuggler back in Central America or whatever, they keep adding more money. Let me just give you a quick figure right here in South Texas in the Rio Grande Valley. They're actually catching about 2,000, 3,000 people a day or not catching. They're turning themselves in. But just to cross the river, just that one piece of the river, uh, the Gulf Cartel is adding on three to five hundred dollars and in cases up to eight hundred dollars. That's just, just to, to, just to the jump river. the river. We're talking about traveling all through Mexico. Oh, and by the way, you can swim the river. There's some places you can almost walk it. But if you do that without paying the cartel, they're going to fuck you up. Is that what you're saying? That is correct. Wow. Nobody, nothing crosses that river without their permission. Who the fuck they owns have, this border? Well, they own it. They have operational control. I mean, the drug cartels in wow. Mexico, uh, for example, in Reynosa, they have a surveillance system. They have their own security cameras, their own radio uh, communication system. They have anything that you can think of that we would have here as, with, you know, police, et cetera, et cetera. They have that over there. And they're, they're using it to control their region, their border. So nothing, nobody can get to the border and say, hey, I traveled on my own. I crossed on my own. I made it here. No, you actually have to pay somebody God. to get you across that river. So now, if you, if you do the math, you know, you're looking at $500 per person. If they're catching about 3,000 people a day, that's a lot of money each day. That's and just caught people. Yeah. Well, what about the southern border of Mexico? Do they operate down there? Is it a way to stop it from the Guatemalan or Belize side, or is that just futile as well? Well, the, the, they tried. So when the, when you would have the caravans, you would have you know thousands of people at a time trying to come in from, from, from Central America into the Chiapas border. Well, Mexico, they really don't have any sort of fencing. All you have is one river, a shallow river in some areas, and that's it. So that's what I ask about, about what about this the Trump's wall? Would, would, was that going to do anything with the completion of that do or impede any of this in any capacity, even limitedly? Well, uh, in some places, for example, the city of Laredo, it would have made a difference because in Laredo, as soon as you cross the river, you're in downtown Laredo. However, uh, in other places like the Rio Grande Valley, there's the, the wall is about a good mile to half mile away from the river. So the people that are coming here saying, hey, I see, I'm seeking asylum. Well, they can't really do anything about them. They, you know, they're over here. You can't take, turn them back, especially with the cases of the children. Now, here's one of the scary parts. We just reported on this. Um, it's gotten to the point where in some parts in, in South Texas, Border Patrol is not patrolling those areas. What they did is they put up signs from the river saying, follow the arrows to the border processing station. Shit. So they're guiding the migrants to walk uh, a mile, two miles from the river to this little like corral area where they just like kind of like a cattle shoot. They just keep moving people across. The agents process them and they get them on the bus. And that's actually, uh, I mean, all these signs. I mean, they're saying. And for the listener, for the listener, look, if you're if you're an unaccompanied kid, a child, they're going to process you and let you go. They're going to find a place for you. You're not going back. If you're uh, like a mom and a dad with your kids, right, they're going to take you. So it's like a lottery almost, right, Pancho? It's like some get to go and some have to go back into Mexico and wait. And then, it, is this correct? It, it, it was, however, because they're so overwhelmed right now, 
they're basically saying, okay, we have so many, so here you are, you're, you're here, we process you, here's your court notice, you got to show up in court, uh, but they're leaving the dates blank because they can't schedule that many so far ahead. Shit. So they're saying, eventually we'll get to you, and they're releasing a lot of them, and that's a problem. Now you have a, a new version of catch and release, and the cartels are basically, what they're telling people in Mexico and in Central America is, you come with us, and we're going to get you papers. What they're not telling them is that these papers are court notices. But that's all there is. They, 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 they're selling the idea that as soon as they cross the river, they're going to get papers to be able to stay in the U.S. And there's your papeles. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Wow, bro. Man. See, this is the thing, Pancho. You and I, we, we, we live a real life, right? We wear blue jeans, and we wear leather in 100-degree heat, and we drink whiskey without ice. And look, I'm a humanist. Like I've, I, I would tell border, I'll tell anybody, if I'm hungry, I'm trying. That's just the human in me. But the pinheads in the suits that go to the nice colleges, never been out there, don't understand real life, don't understand gangsters and what fantastic businessmen they are. You don't, our government doesn't even know what they're playing with, do they? No, they actually, they, they, they really have no idea. I mean, the sophistication that you're seeing is these guys actually have better operational control of the border than our own government does. And I'm not. I'm talking about. You get down to the river uh, with a camera. They're gonna know where you're at. They're gonna have eyes on you. You may not even see them, but you're gonna have lookouts. You're gonna. You, you may even spot a couple of kids with, with radios walking around, or but they're keeping an eye on you. And that is if their camera is already gonna spot you. I mean, it's so sophisticated. They actually have communication network, um, underground communication network. But I'm talking about the radio signals. I mean, they have. Uh, Lookouts, radios, surveillance cameras, databases, if weapons. You, if you were to go into Reynosa and they will stop you, uh, you know, you don't know if it's the police or the cartel, or at times it's both. And, uh, you know, they'll check your ID. They're going to know exactly who you are. Before you even, uh, you know, th before they let you go, they already know who you are, where you, where you live, where you work. It's a scary situation, and that's part of what leads to a lot of the kidnappings as well. What do uh, what the cartels think about you in particular? Yeah, you ever worried, bro? Uh, no. I mean, I've been doing this so long. Um, I've been going on 15 years covering this. It's it's uh, uh, it's kind of funny, but usually the people that I kind of get on their bad side, usually they end up dying or getting arrested and <laughs> going away within a year or two. So, <laughs> really, I think one I time, one time you were telling me I'm that about politicians than I am of drug cartels. Scared of the politicians. Don't don't think the, the drug cartels have their own um, public information officer for the press. They actually do in some areas. Get I mean, the they, fuck they, out of here. Man, we could use them up here. Like, we don't have to do shit. We just call the cartels public information officer. That, no well, way. They, they actually have their PIO. <laughs> they call them the link or the enlace. And that is one person in, uh, in the border cities. And whenever, say, there's a massive shootout, bunch of dead, that person will reach out to the local journalist and tell them, if you don't cover this, and if you cover this, you're going to blame the army or you're going to blame <laughs> the police or you're going to say that, they, the, that the gunmen that they killed, that they were innocent children. That's how they try to slant the news and the coverage or just say, don't cover any of this. And I mean, that's really why I started getting in, covering all this, because when I was a cub reporter in Brownsville, I would hear from the newspaper these massive gun battles going on in Matamoros. And I would call the mayor's office and be like, hey, is anything going on? And they'd be like, oh, no, things are great. Come visit. Charlie, sound familiar? <laughs> 
<laughs> That's the same so, up here, Pancho. And you would pick up the newspaper and read the next day, and the, the, the main story would be about the prices of onion or the mayor going somewhere. Uh, and that's kind of when I started, you know, just grabbing a photographer and walking out there and, and trying to get what was going on. And over time, I started developing sources. And really, that's kind of how we got into covering all this. Because, and that's when I realized that a lot of the crimes that take place in South Texas are directly linked to the drug cartels in Mexico. And sadly, then I realized that it's not just South Texas. You can pick any major city, yes. let's say Dallas, Houston, Atlanta, and a lot of the major cases, shootouts, more the violent crimes are going to be tied to a drug boss in Mexico. Yeah. So, but we're gonna we're running late, so I'm gonna have you back some more because this is an ongoing thing. You, I'm gonna send you a Coney kit, delicious hot dogs. I'm gonna send you a fix the shit T-shirt. You know, uh, compliments Luke Nowacki. But here's the thing now. Last question. We don't pay our cops shit. Like 38, 39,000 to start in the most violent city in America. And it's here in Detroit. It's not uh, Brownsville. It's not San Antonio. It's not um, Phoenix. It's not LA. It's us. When you don't pay cops, tell them, brother. I didn't even ask you this. You don't pay cops. There's a real good chance because the cartels are everywhere. They're going to start putting their people through academy. And down on the border, how many, how many police jurisdictions have been caught working for the cartels? Well, I'll just say this. In the last 15 years, there's been five sheriffs in South Texas that have gone to prison. And I'm, not, I'm talking about the sheriff for uh, basically being tied to organized crime, working for the drug cartels. And that's the top cop in, in the county. And, and so in the last 15 years, there's been five sheriffs that have gone to prison. I'm not counting police chiefs where there's been several of them, regular officers, federal agents. I mean, the list goes on and on. And there's sadly, there's a lot of that still going on to this day. Hey, brother, thank you. I love you. Be safe. Everybody says thank you. They enjoyed you. Uh, they said don't let you go right now, but we have to. Uh, so everybody's listening. Uh, said thank you for your contribution. Be safe. What's your, what's your what's your Twitter handle so everybody can follow your work? He's he's an ace journalist. Guy knows how to write. His work's interesting. Give him your Twitter handle, bro. It's at Ildefonso Ortiz. Christ. <laughs> Couldn't you just do Pancho at Pancho? <laughs> so something like, last name, basically. Yeah, we were trying to spell his name right for 15 minutes yeah, before the show. I was like, oh, boy. Of course, so everybody take a screenshot. <laughs> I-L-Il Il Defonso. There it and is. That's short for Fonzie, man. Fonzie. <laughs> the Fonzie the border. Find you on Twitter. What is it? Uh, I-L-D-E-F-O-N-S-O-O-R-T-I-Z. And I think I just followed you, so you might just find me there. Okay. All right, good. I'll find Look you. at this dude, ladies and gentlemen, before we let him go. He- 340 pounds of six foot four man in a leather jacket bopping up and down a goddamn motor so you know what's going on. That's the real, and this is no bullshit news. Thanks, Poncho. Be safe. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> he's great. He's the baddest you know, man. I, I like somebody, and he's so soft spoken, so deliberate in his uh, delivery. I, I like that, you know, because little people like me yell and talk loud and all that stuff. And he's like so. Oh, um, show him your new badge, Karen. Oh, yeah. Yeah, hey, watch this, Poncho. No, I'm not because we're, what? no, we're on Facebook Live. 
Oh, no, Telly. Oh, come on. Karen, Karen's, no, Karen's no, now law no. enforcement. What's what's the good of having a badge if you can't show it off? She's, she's now law well, enforcement. If I know we were going to have badges, I would have brought my Federal badge. He's got a real one. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Badges? <laughs> we don't need no stinking badges, man. <laughs> Where's that from? That, uh, Mel Brooks? Um... It's gotta be right. Shit. It's gotta be um, blazing saddles. Yeah, I think so. It's gotta yeah. be. Yeah, blazing saddles. All right, all right, Poncho, you can hang out, but I'm. I, I now just have to go to COVID. We're we're the center of it. Oh, by the way, before we go down there in those tent cities, they're making for these kids. I know a lot of border patrol agents. So does uh, Poncho, bro. There's sexual molestation going on in there. There's lice all over the place. Is this true? Sadly, it is true. I mean, these facilities, that, that, you know, um, they were meant to hold a certain number of kids. They're, they're holding uh, 10 times more than they are, than they're supposed to. Uh-huh. Uh, you, you know, there was, a, you know, all this outrage, previous administration about the kids in cages. It's actually worse right now than, than it used to be, than what people complained about. Sadly, we don't even know what's going on in there, and, and that's part of the problem. Also, the problem is that the Biden administration they're working really hard to keep us from going into those centers and reporting what's going on. There's sort of a media blackout. They're not allowing us to go in there and to get in there, you have to go jump through hoops and usually they're going to deny entry to those. Yep. Now this is no bullshit news hour. You can answer if you want to, but just don't answer with a lie. Where's your political leanings? Are you right wing conservative? You left wing, you a middle guy. You, what, what are you about? I'm a middle guy. Uh, like I said, I'm more scared of a politician than I am of a cartel boss. Wow. Because <laughs> you know what the cartel boss is about. Exactly. When you're talking about a crime boss, you already know who they are. They're all about money. They're all about profit. You're talking with, with politicians. Uh, it's, you never know what's coming. Uh, leave it at that. My man. Wow. Shoot. Now. Real quick, we're going to get out of here because we like to call it the news hour plus a little more. But we got red coming, so hey, you're going to dig it. Now, Poncho's for real. And this is the kind of guy red likes. Well, we're not going to play red right now, but I just have to get to the governor, Michigan, ground zero. Cases are exploding. She comes out with what today? We encourage you to shut down. Yeah, recommendation. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't you do it? This thing's all over the place. We, these are record cases. See, I'm not against shutdowns. You do it like Texas did, right? Like, you, not Florida, but Texas really mm -hmm. locked shit down when it got out of hand. That's how you're supposed to do it. I don't know if we're coming or going, but my suspicion is the death count isn't there, right? The, the, de be, yeah. the death rate for, say, a 30 to 40-year-old is 10 out of um, 100,000. And for somebody that's 80, it's 1,800 1, per 100,000. So we don't have 200 people dead a day. We're seeing five and 10. And I, I, that's what I believe. But when she's asked to explain it again, I invited her on because she said, we did so well in the beginning that we don't have the antibodies. We didn't do the herd immunity that we're piggies in blankets. Now we're going to get slaughtered. Fact number one, we didn't do a good job in the beginning. Those first two months, we were number four just in terms of total death. We were number seven in terms of cases, and we were only 17th in testing. We did miserably. Should there have been a lockdown? I didn't argue with it. 
But we didn't protect those seniors, did we? And we're not getting an accurate count, I doubt. There's movement on my case. I'll bring that to you in a couple of weeks. But here's the thing now. The CDC does keep antibody count. The way they get this count is they go to commercial blood labs. Not just for COVID. Let's say you got a checkup. Let's say you're getting uh, cancer levels. They, they take random blood samples and see if you have the COVID antibody in you. We are not one of the least uh, immune populations. We're right in the middle. We're 26th, meaning 23 have less immunity than us and 26 have more. Interesting social question because California is very high in antibodies and they're number one in lockdown. Texas is high in antibodies and they're number four in terms of measurement of lockdown. Florida is about us, about our same level. Think about this. They're wide open, but they have no more or less antibodies than we do and their death count is lower. So what the governor unwittingly did was opened up the question, folks. The real question is this. What was the best way to handle a pandemic? Herd immunity or lockdown? I'm looking at the data. You know, I'm not a statistician. It's all over. It's, you can't be sure. You can't be sure. But it's interesting. But what we were told is not the truth, and they're not speaking about antibodies anymore. Don't buy it. This, this thing is ridiculous. I don't understand the leadership. Well, if only we could ask her. Oh, there's the, well, I did. <laughs> I, I do ask. I texted. And I, t what, what did I text? I said, could you come on? Is it up there? It will be up there in three, two. I'll just read it for you. Yeah, read it for me. Charlie the Duff again. That's I think me. that's how you started. That's you. Yeah, try to do my voice. Oh, man, come on. I can't. I don't know if I can do it, Charlie. I don't have the energy. Oh, to, I, don't, I don't have the energy to do a Charlie voice. <laughs> put, put the camera. Here we go. Go ahead. Now, go ahead. Do the voice. <laughs> Charlie Duff again. Stand up and do it. Oh, well, I think I'm, now you're going to see my fat belly on the Oh, camera. God. Like, you're almost Gross. popping out of that shirt. Oh, Sit back I, down. I, I got news for you. You don't look like Luke when you stand up. <laughs> <laughs> I pop out of every shirt, okay? okay. Charlie Duff again. Is the governor available for some questions about the outbreak this Friday or even for a taped interview? Yeah, that's it, pretty good. And No, it wasn't. It was terrible. I'm hearing myself. Here's, I, and their robot got back to me, and I here's got, what I got. She, she got back to you within about four minutes, and she said, and she... I believe this is the, my, my phone message from her. She got back to me. <laughs> Hi, Charlie. Hope all is well. Not likely she'll have an availability, but I can put you in touch with MDHHS COVID numbers. Hi, Charlie. Hope all is well. Not likely she'll have any availability, like ever. I, that's what's amazing. Not for you, Charlie. But I, can, but I can put you in touch with Health and Human Services for the COVID data, of which I'm suing for. <laughs> so we've already tried that alley. Chicken. Did you respond with, well, due to ongoing lawsuits, I can't talk to the, you know, MDHHS, so. Oh, nicely done. Well, I'm Isn't not, that I, the excuse you always hear? Well, due to an ongoing I'm lawsuit. Not, I'm, this is no bullshit news. I, I can talk to whoever I want. Lawsuit or not, mm -hmm. right? And nothing preclude me from doing of that. Of course. You, when you hear that a lot, anybody can talk about a lawsuit as it's going on. It's an excuse not to talk about it at the time. But that's what I wrote this week, folks, about those antibodies, and that whole excuse got shut down. So listen, again, tappy, 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 monkey reporters. She says something, check it out. That's what we do. That's what Pacho does. And it's getting red really mad. 
that he wants more of it, not less, because watch now, another mass shooting in Detroit this week, another four banger, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, I don't have it because my technology is a mess, but the inspector general of Detroit looked at one contractor's demolition work, one out of 89 holes, 81 had poisoned dirt. Oh, my God. Then the city didn't want to believe it of their own dirt analytics company mm -hmm. and went and got a law firm and another dirt analytic company, and they came up with a lesser number. Oh. Don't you know? Wow, that's a cool way to do it. Just it, hire someone to get the number you like. What did the inspector general say? They didn't warn the public. Which they didn't warn the kids. So let's look at this, Mike Gretchen. The children of the city can't play in the front yard because the fucking lead is flying. And they can't play in the side lot because the dirt's poisoned. And who was the chief operating officer when the shitty dirt was going in that I've been telling you about and the federal investigation, hurry up and wrap that up and bring something. Who was the chief operating officer when the dirty dirt was going in the ground? I'm scared Of Detroit. Ask. Who's the chief operating officer? I'm scared to ask. His Karen. name's Dave Masseron. Oh, come on. Really? Well, it's his resume. Dave Masseron. Flint. Remember, he was the bond attorney that helped put the Flint deal together. Remember? Yeah, Dave's still working. He got a job. Yeah, what's he doing now? Listen to me, Pancho, the, the politicians. What's he doing now? He's the budget director for Whitmer. That's incredible. Come the fuck on now. That's incredible. Poison dirt, poison water. And he got a Spirit of a uh, Detroit Award this week. Thanks for all your work. Well, yeah, they should, they should thank him. Now you know why they ain't calling back. I work hard for you. You have a right to know and make a decision. Remember, nonpartisan. Nobody's coming over for Thanksgiving. Not my mom, not the mayor, <laughs> not the governor. But you must be held to account, as Richard said, we're the people, the grand experiment. We're all the bosses of this country. I don't get it. And Red doesn't get it. We're going to have Red to have the last word. No, Karen before Red. Karen. I just, you know, I, I just, I'd really like for people to listen to the things that you say and that you bring forward. It has to mean something to somebody beyond social media comments. I mean, at some point it has to translate into um, the demand for accountability for people that we have in place. Like this, this is not okay. None of this is okay. We're broke. We're bleeding. We're poisoned. Like, why is COVID running here? It's not the antibodies. Maybe it just sucks here. <laughs> the infrastructure's crappy. Our money disappears. We're sickly. The water's shit. The schools are shit. We don't have police. Why? We deserve it. We'll earn it. I'm not looking for a handout. There's a lot of money going around and never seems to make it, does it again? That Fed sent $250 million for those demolitions. The city threw in another $250. The mayor just got you to vote for another $250. Is this thing, you remember when I was like on Fox 2 and I, oh, was, yeah. I was running this? If I was in one of those positions, you know how big this would be? One of your main contractors throws some poison dirt in there. The Army Corps engineers also did a report. You threw poison dirt in there. You fucking threw the highway in there. Some guy just in Oakland County just got sentenced in federal court for cheating the post office. He's supposed to fix up the post office. Saw that, yeah. Yeah, right? Mm -hmm. 
Okay, so he's ripping off the postal service. When are we getting some justice? We're not getting no justice for Flint. People don't know. You know that, Flint. Mm -hmm. $200 million out of $600 million for the lawyers. What are you going to get? You know what you're going to get when it's all said and done? Enough to pay a fucking water bill for shit you don't even use. A past due water bill. An overloaded water bill. And the thing about it is, if anybody's listening to this, look at listen to this alignment. Pancho said that the cartel is more influential than the government. We're seeing where our government is the cartel. Yeah. And why doesn't Pancho like the government? Because the cartel is going to tell you just what it's about. And the government tells you something else and then doesn't give it to you. And then I'm supposed to go out there and parade for you. Won't do it. Not going to do it. Where's the fourth estate? Well, the fifth estate, <laughs> that's in my ranch house. It's me, me and this lower level, Karen. We're the fifth estate. Be com- confused with the fifth dimension. Marilyn McCoon shit. This is the dawning of the age of Aquarius. Everybody. Age of Aquarius. 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 I digress. <laughs> the point being, they're supposed to hold their feet to the fire. Yes. Or guess what? If Poncho's still on there. The, car- the cartels get respect because they do shit for the people. Do they not? Yeah. Well, so actually, that that's one thing that they have done. Uh, whenever there's a hurricane, uh, like a major storm, things of that nature, they actually give out uh, food items. Also, during Christmas time, they do give out toys and uh, you know food items, presents to the poor families. And that's actually, uh, even when Mexico shut down over the COVID uh, cases, that when they were starting, the drug cartels were actually giving out food baskets and uh, uh, bare necessity items to the people when the federal government in Mexico was not doing anything. Shit. Well, our chief of police pulls people over around Christmas and gives them a hundred bucks. So we got that. Something. Bet you the cartel didn't figure that out. It's very cool. Anyway, let's play red. Hey, Pancho, thank you, Karen. I love you. Mark. Thank you. Jump rope, bro. <laughs> and thanks, thanks, mannequin. With no, uh, by the way, no bullshit news hour. Share, share, share. Tell everybody about comedian Detroit Red becoming one of the greatest commentators and reporters in the state of Michigan. Don't forget to go to the Drew and Mike store. And get a fix the shit, fix it, or fix the shit. And we will get that to people in need. And with no further delay, take us home red. Press. Press. Pull. What up, though? This is boy Detroit Red. I'm just here to ask one question. Where in the fuck can I get real news at anymore? And listen to what I'm saying. It's so much real news out here and shit that's going on that we need to know about that I would think the real journalists would be reporting. That's what they used to be called, reporters. Shit go on, they reported real news. And then with the invention of social media, you would just swear before God, even if they couldn't talk about everything that was real news on the station they own or the newspaper they at, that you could go to their social media sites and platforms where they got tens of thousands of followers and get real news. But the real sad truth is, majority of them ain't giving us that shit. 
I look up one reporter instead of me seeing an article about bad and bold contract deals in Detroit. I'm seeing shit about a pet getting out of surgery. <laughs> Try to find some, uh, go follow another journalist to see if I can get some news on the rising crime and murder rate in Detroit. I'm getting kid birthday pictures and celebrations. Tens of thousands of people following these folks. And I can't get no fucking real news. Try to see if anybody talking about the contaminated and, and dirty demolition in an election year. Instead, I'm getting Oscar winning a nominee award winning videos of I've, I just survived COVID. I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> Let me tell you just like this. In today's day and era, with social media, the TV, podcasts, and all this, I should be able to get real news. But I can't just blame those 70, 80, 90% of journalists who's just becoming news rock stars, playing the news bullshit media entertainment game. I gotta also be mad at you, the people. Because I noticed that the real journalists that's putting out these stories, that's really talking about something. Might get a couple views, may get a couple shares, and they might get a like, a thumb, or maybe an angry face. But let the journalists put out some bullshit about, oh, my baby, grandbaby just turned two. The goddamn thing, get every emoji on there. A thumb, <laughs> a like, a smiley face, a ha-ha, hands up, prayers up, get 30,000 shares and 20,000 views. So a lot of the real journalists is feeling like, hey, I'm trying to tell you the real, but you really don't want the real. So for a guy like me, who's about being real and want to know what the real shit is, whether the governor or not is fucking up the pandemic, whether, whether there's actually money being stole from homeowners, whether they going to fix the shit in Flint, get water conditioned, whether they contaminating the lands and the, and the fields or d illegally dumping, whatever it is. It's too much shit out here for me to get it. But because they have trained us to eat shit and we've become accustomed to how the shit tastes, Everybody's just in a big bowl of shit. And so news becomes press, press, pull. Doses! <laughs> One more thing, the Comic Club Vibe, uh, the Comic Vibe Comedy Club Inside Starters Bar and Grill on Plymouth Road in Detroit, Michigan, hosted by comedian Detroit Red. Every Friday and Saturday, show starts at 8, admissions free the entire month of April, uh, celebrating... Well, this is a little bit old. The reopening after the pandemic. Okay, listen. Mask up. First come for her. Keep some distance. But have a few laughs. See you next week.